Welcome to NFP, the Non-Fungible Podcast, with your host, D. Klein. Did you know that one of crypto's best use cases is also a tax-saving strategy? I'm talking about donating crypto to your favorite charity. The Giving Block makes it easy for the crypto community to support important causes with Bitcoin, Ethereum, and dozens of other cryptos. Choose from over 1,200 vetted nonprofit organizations, donate any amount, and then hold on to your tax receipt. When it's tax time, you could save big. Your donation could offset some or most of what you owe on that huge capital gains line. Make smart money moves while making a difference. To learn more, visit thegivingblock.com NFP. That's thegivingblock.com NFP. And let's show the world that crypto is good. Hey, this is NFP, the non-fungible podcast with me, D. Klein. Today's episode is brought to you by the Koi Network. Koi makes minting NFTs super easy and inexpensive. Just drag and drop your file using their NFT wallet, Finny, and Koi takes care of the rest. Minting costs as little as one cent, so you can create as many NFTs as you want. And when they're viewed by other people, you even earn Koi tokens that you can use to fund your next series. Check it out at koii.network. Pat Duffy, co-founder of The Giving Block. Welcome to NFP. So glad you could join me. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. So my connection with Giving Block goes back a ways. It was one of the first um, kind of actually utilities for me of crypto beyond just collecting it and trading it was actually using it for something beneficial to people. It was a relatively early exposure to me. I think it would probably would have been only a couple months into me kind of getting into the NFT scene that I became aware of the giving block because of the fact that it was such an easy way to donate compared to what you would traditionally have to do if you were trying to donate, say, to a charity, you know, in some other country somewhere. Mm-hmm. No, 100%. That's like the, the bread and butter of what we do. Just make it really easy to donate crypto and really easy to accept it on the, the charity side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now this, you started this up 2018. Basically, we're talking 2017, huge boom. Everybody's like, oh yeah, Bitcoin's going to a million dollars. You know, everybody's buying, you know, buying at the peak basically. And then 2018 comes and it starts going downhill. And here you are in the midst of that kind of, downward trend and that's when you start up the giving block explain to me how that happened yeah really smart time to start a (laughs) a crypto payments company um so yeah the idea of course came during like the buzz and excitement of sure uh end of 2017 where i got absolutely smoked by the way like i got into trading crypto at the worst time possible like right as it started like right before it started i would say like uh fall 2017 Okay, like that's well, what okay. I got fall in. 2017 wouldn't have been too bad because there was that, you know, yearly China FUD, you know, do you remember that where yeah, 2017 yeah. China was cracking on on crypto again? Yeah, and it, pretty much, like, I, I, yeah, I kept putting like a little in, a little in, yep. and then like going into the winter, like I started like making some like margin, I had no money, like, so it, it wasn't like <laughs> the end of the world, but like for the little money that I did have, and like I was trying to invest and be careful with, I started like really committing to the crypto piece. And then right at the end of December, I was like, all right, let's do this. You know what I mean? So like right end of December, (laughs) beginning of January, I think my average cost like for ETH was probably like 
my average was probably thirteen hundred dollars, like a unit right. or whatever. I was which like, doesn't I'm sound bad now, but the, the the peak was like either a little above or a little below fourteen hundred. And I wrote yeah. that to eighty eight dollars a unit when I did my loss <laughs> harvesting. I remember it was eighty eight dollars a unit, and I which remember I think thought, it was like eighty nine percent drop in value, something like that. No, more, more than that. More, more ninety. Way, yeah, like, like way over ninety five percent. Yeah, plus. And I remember, yeah, because I put in, you know, you put a hundred bucks and you have three hundred bucks. You put in two hundred bucks, you have six hundred. You're like, I'm a genius, and then you yes, like go like I'm make an wizard. actual investment. And I got. Sm- I remember feeling bad for friends and family because I was like not telling them to invest in it, and I was like, I was worried about the risk, but I was also after a while, I was just like, this feels selfish. So, so I'm, I'm luckily it started tanking right before I told everyone like throw all your money. Like I was almost that guy. So rode okay, it right okay. into the dirt. Yeah. Personal investment wise, but we saw end of 2017, the pineapple fund, we saw $4 million, the Ashton Kutcher donation on Ellen, like all these crypto donations were popping off and I was right. at charity at the time. And we were just like, let's get my charity into this. Like Alex Wilson, my now co-founder got me into trading crypto. Mm-hmm. So we started talking to nonprofits and then like people in crypto, like, how does this work? The few people we knew who were donating it were like, this is the worst. And then the nonprofits who were accepting it, there were ones who had been accepting it since like 2013 and they got nothing. And then there were the right. handful who were getting donations who were just randomly selected by a donor. And they were just like sitting on Bitcoin in a wallet like, somewhere what are we doing waiting this? for like, yeah, an exchange account <laughs> to open as they wrote it, you know, right into the dirt like I did with my ETH. And you were just looking at it. So like the, the connective tissue wasn't there, but we knew the tax incentive right off the bat. And we knew the connection between the two ecosystems would be awesome. So we just, I, yeah, started building right during that uh, the downturn, 2018. Interesting. So I'm just imagining like all the logistics of getting something like that started. Like, did it just start with, okay, we got these two, three charities we want to start with, or how in the world did you begin? Because now there's like more than 1300 vetted nonprofits i think are connected with the giving block so that's a huge family of charities where did that start yeah that's 1300 like clients like active okay. fundraising clients were like signed up with us they have their own accounts they have a crypto philanthropy program so like we've worked with a bunch of charities and like help folks do things on the side but like those are like legit crypto philanthropy programs like top down leadership orchestrated like they're into crypto and they're like actively fundraising and they're turning it into a revenue channel, which is super exciting. That's not just like groups that have gotten a gift. Um, so the way we started doing it was pretty much like, even when we say a crypto philanthropy program, we just took the opposite approach that like anyone who would have been like an investor in the space would have said where they're like every payments company, you know, like just build out a baseline product, like give it to everyone for free, make it really simple, easy to onboard onto, and just like let everyone take it and run with it. And whoever brings in volume, you just clip a ticket, you know, like let the nonprofits do all the work or let donors find their way there and then just get paid every time that happens. There just wasn't any connective tissue, right? Between the donors and the nonprofits. Most people with crypto didn't know about the tax incentive. They weren't giving it to charities. They didn't find a, a place where they could do it. There were no campaigns. There was no giving, like there was nothing there. And then on the nonprofit side, every time a nonprofit got it, it was a nightmare. Like they didn't just need Mm -hmm. a product. They needed accounting best practices. They needed to update their gift acceptance policy. They needed to, if they were doing endowment stuff, like have an actual treasury um, and like a plan for how to do that. Like they were just sitting on, you know, like nowadays it'd be like SHIB or whatever it is, which like can be fun, but they'll just watch go up and down 30%. Yeah, of course. Lose their minds instead of like having a game plan. So we, 
we just met with the 30 or so nonprofits we could find at the time who like had okay. been accepting crypto for a while. And we just ran through from a product standpoint, like what's everything we could possibly automate. And then from like a processes and consulting standpoint, like how can we save your team over the course of a year, you know, like a hundred hours, 200 hours, 300 hours. We just started baking that stuff in and building it out. So we just started pretty much as a consultancy. We went right to the top of the ladder, top of the food chain, try to find like the save the children's. And we're like end to end, how can we make crypto really easily doable for, for like a serious nonprofit organization? And we just backed down from there. So now the majority of groups we work with are like small and mid-sized because we took all of those principles. We just made them more scalable slowly over okay. time. But yeah, like a hundred or so of our clients are about a hundred million dollars or more in annual revenue. So like wow. the big kind of chunky nonprofits, we just built everything yep. for them and then brought that to small nonprofits instead of the other way where you just make it kind of free and ecosystem wise and let the charities spend their time spinning their wheels and figuring it out. Right. Just like basically making it as easy as possible is what I'm hearing from you. Yeah. That's a much better sentence. Yeah. Could have just said that. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I like the, uh, I'm just, you know, trying to, you know, show you I'm listening, you know, I'm, I'm reiterating what you're saying. Yes. <laughs> so, you know, for me personally, I think as an artist, what I love about it is it's a win-win. Like if I create a work of art, and I use that as like a means of donating to somebody, you know, basically I can create my own tax write-off essentially, mm -hmm. right? Cause I can go, okay, I want to help out this organization. So I'm going to create this work of art. I'm going to donate the proceeds from it through the giving block. Mm -hmm. I get the tax write-off, right? And the charity gets the benefit, but I also get the savings. Yeah. Uh, I mean, even just on that, like a quick overview of what we're even talking about, the tax incentive, the biggest issue for us, right, is just HODL culture in general, which is perfect, right. except for yeah. when it comes to nonprofit. Right. Like if you talk to like your grandmother, she's like, Bitcoin isn't a thing, right? Because when you go to a yeah, baseball yeah. game, you're not like buying a beer with it. It's like, well, you don't do that with stocks. You know what I mean? You don't do that with gold and cryptocurrencies have these features of all these different asset types. So the one thing that's true is any property asset, any you know, any, anything that's not a, a currency fluctuates in value. When it appreciates, you have to pay X on it, except for when you give it to a charity. So like if you're giving a million dollars in a cryptocurrency to a charity, or you want to give a million dollars in general, rather, if you gave that in cash, you get a million dollar write-off. So you get to like reduce how much of your income is taxed that year. And the charity gets a million bucks. So it's still pretty great. But if you do that with like Bitcoin or cryptocurrency, like you or any crypto, NFTs for that matter, if you transfer that directly to a charity, like two things happen. One, the charity gets the full value, doesn't pay taxes on it, and you get your write-off like normal. But the second piece is you erase the tax burden. If it's a million dollars in crypto, that could be, you know, state and federal, $300,000 plus, if it's like hyper-appreciated, of additional value on top of what you'd get from that gift normally. That's like 300 grand in taxes just erased. And then you can take the million bucks in the bank that you were going to give and just repurchase a crypto position, just go buy a million dollars of Bitcoin again, you end up with the same amount of crypto as if you donated cash. That crypto has no tax liability. It's been moved up to today's cost basis, like magic. And the chair, again, same thing for the charity, but for your bottom line, like you just erased $300,000 in tax liability. So like donors don't know that because usually young folks who aren't as like tax literate yet, like they haven't had a financial advisor for an extended period. They're kind of doing their own sure. thing when it comes to investments. 
so like literacy on that tax benefit is our hardest issue still donors come to us all the time they're like we love what you're doing but can i just give with a credit card or something like why would i give up mm, crypto because you don't want to be like bitcoin pizza guy and yep. it's like you you have to get them through that tax instead of education like so often so we we do a lot of work on the, the education side as well so basically my impression is because the crypto is considered like a commodity and not a currency is that accurate is that what you're saying essentially uh, it's a capital gain yeah. yeah it's property so when i'm donating it it's a capital gains that i would have paid on the cash gains but because i'm donating that there isn't a capital gains burden is that what you're saying yeah you use that crypto anywhere else at any point in time you got to pay taxes on it so if you bought sure. it for a dollar and it's worth a million you know take like the very extreme example you owe in state and federal cap gains on that like probably 300 and something thousand dollars. Like it could be more right. if you're in California or whatever. It depends on your state and federal. Like if you use that million bucks to buy a million dollar boat, like that's a $1.3 million purchase because like you owe those taxes. But when you yes. give it to a charity, it's the only time that you can actually take an appreciated asset and transfer it with no tax liability. Like it's, it's an amazing tool, especially if you do the arbitrage move where you just take the cash and buy your new position like if you're trying to move back into that 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 position to keep the same you just amount of, it. Yeah, yeah 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 interesting yeah yeah that's pretty cool that's pretty cool too i mean obviously you know i've found that even talking to tax experts they often don't know you know how to handle all the crypto stuff it is a complex thing and you know for listeners just be aware you really should check into the experts around you where you are wherever that is in terms of how this all works because it is complicated like i live in canada yeah. you know and so some of the laws are a little different here than they are say for example in the states for the most Definitely part different. for the most part you know it works similarly but there are differences you know so on, on this one yeah it would actually not be the case so in canada like you still owe taxes when you give crypto to a charity which is right wild Stupid. so like definitely for people in canada who are listening like unless i go like, donate to a political party then i'd be okay probably <laughs> yeah you'll have to pay taxes on him anyway it's not like worse you know what i mean like you're it's the same thing as if you took it out and did anything else with the crypto you just don't get this cool unique incentive but in the u.s is, uk like different places it's extremely incentivized right i don't know what the canadian government's thinking they just it's they love annoying taxes. they love taxes. why would you disincentivize charitable giving it's like I don't know. Why would you disincentivize wealth generation at all? Yeah. Right? That's it's so puzzling to me. But, uh, you know, I don't want to get too political. It's just, you know, <laughs> it's an interesting problem, right? Uh, you know, you talked about that a little bit on your Twitter feed. And, you, and more recently, you talked about this whole idea of donating. And uh, you explained that a little bit in your thread here about, you know, uh, why that works the way it does. But I also noticed in your Twitter feed, you know, it comes up a lot about in terms of what's happening lately with uh, Shift 4. Can you tell me about this this major event that's taken place yeah. with Shift 4 and the Giving Block? It's pretty amazing, just like in general, because we're, we're explaining to our, our staff and like clients, nonprofits we're working with, because every time there's, uh, well, what happened is like we got acquired. It's like not all completely done in terms of like valuing the transfers and everything that goes down but mm -hmm, mm -hmm. whenever there's an acquisition like everyone has the same questions like what happens to the company as it stands like what happens to the, the services and everything going down the brand the the team right. that's involved in it and then also like the vision like is strategic uh like strategy going to change 
we've been approached by different companies in the past. Like crypto companies have approached us to acquire us and they wanted to pretty much let's line up with you all, do a crypto charity thing. But then it's like us versus everyone else. You know, if you get bought by one exchange, for instance, then every other exchange will try to launch their own and, and kind of compete against each other. We've been blessed to kind of operate independently. We work with all of the exchanges, payments companies, the tax software solutions, because we're not aligned with just one that allows like the whole ecosystem and the giving community to kind of come together. So we wouldn't want to do that and like just cut out so much of the community and start making it this weird competitive thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on the nonprofit side, same thing, where it's just like, then you can't work with nonprofits that are on other solutions if you get purchased by one. So we've been approached on those sides. What Shift4 is, it's a traditional payments company in the for-profit space. They do 200, now close to $250 billion a year in payments volume. So like billion with a B, very crazy. So a lot of the hotels, <laughs> yeah, hotels, restaurants, um, casinos, stadiums, retail, uh, they're one of the biggest players across like most significant areas of like the global right. economy. And they're just this behind the scenes, you know, when you, you just search a payments company, like, which I just have never done. You're like, how much? Like you just see that there's these giant monsters that are like behind the scenes plugged into everything. So it's one of those types of companies. And they came to us and they were like, we have two ideas more or less. Like the two areas that they wanted to go in as a company were crypto. They were like, this is a big deal. No one's moving fast enough. We want to take this very seriously. And then the nonprofit sector, because they had worked on things like amusement parks and um, the, the their whole bread and butter is just looking at like a casino, amusement park, whatever, where they have like a million different point of purchase, a million different vendor relationships, and you can shop and you can eat at a restaurant, you can buy a ticket. And there, there's a company behind this that's trying to work with 150 different solutions simultaneously. And it sucks, which is the same thing that happens to charities. Because like every time they're running a gala, they have like a relationship with a screen that goes up there that counts the donations. And then they have like an auction in the corner that's with a separate company. And then they have like the online streaming thing that's through a company with a donation solution. And nonprofits hate this, but it's frustrating. So in short, they were like, we want to lead on nonprofit services innovation. We want to lead on mainstream crypto adoption across like hotels, restaurants, casinos. Like let's take crypto mainstream in the, the regular world. And we, of course, are like, those are our two favorite things, <laughs> very obviously. Um, and they were like, you're the company that's kind of at that intersection. So we can do both with one stone um, and kind of tack left from the crypto philanthropy fund uh, first and foremost. So their team approached us and like, that's how the whole thing came together. They want to be the leaders in mainstream crypto adoption and they want to transform the nonprofit services sector, just plug into all of these solutions and make it a lot easier for charities to use them. Right on. So in that process, like usually the, what, what happens there if a person is donating their crypto via the giving block to like, for example, I mentioned to you that I'm a big fan of the Mona Foundation being that I'm an educator. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I feel like that's just an awesome charity. Um, and I've donated to them a number of times. What exactly happens when I do donate my crypto to the Mona Foundation? What, what happens on yeah. the other side of it? So there's like two different ways to give. One is through our widget, like just the, the normal way you just click through get a wallet address and, and send it to a charity. And then our other option is private client services, which is just like a donor advice fund relationship where they figured out all of the um, external variables that could be complicated. So if you got a small cap crypto, you don't see in the widget, you're trying to transfer an NFT directly, you're about to send a hundred million dollars and you're like, I could use a little TLC here, <laughs> guys, can we, can we talk to some advisors? 
that's kind of the private client services, any complex situation. Did you say you can send NFTs directly? Mm -hmm. Through, uh, through private work? client services. Okay. That's the whole, it's, it's not nearly. I've never easy. tried so It would be burdensome for a nonprofit. So don't do that in our widget, first and foremost. Okay. Those are dynamic wallet addresses <laughs> that are connected to an exchange. So you will destroy the asset. Um, okay, don't do you that. You can't send NFTs. To so like we have like tool tips and disclaimers and stuff. And we've like tried to educate on it. Very similar. Sometimes people try to send things cross chain, like they'll hold some asset. It would essentially on, like, be potentially going to like a burner address because that would be that address would cease to be accessed at some point. Yeah. And, and sometimes it's like, um, there's like, you're on different chains. Like you, you have a version of an asset on a different protocol and you're sending it to, mm -hmm. you're pretty much sending it to the wrong place. They'll have it on like, you know, you, you, you know, so like, but you, you're saying there is a way I could directly donate an NFT though, through the private Definitely. services. So, so rather than doing that with a charity directly one, because like there are a lot more kind of accounting compliance contingencies around it. Like they need to know what it's worth. And as you see artists do in the NFT community, sometimes they'll like buy their own art, try to pump prices in the same way, like billionaires used to use as a loophole. They draw, you know, stick figure on a napkin. They'd have an appraiser buddy say it's worth a billion dollars. They'd never pay taxes again. So art, because it is non-fungible, right? There's more complexities. It's not like stocks where it's always being traded at like a very um, uh, targetable price that is across right. you know infinite countries, billions of dollars in order books that all reconcile at about the same number, a lot easier. Um, so in short, if you have though like a hyper appreciated NFT, you trigger a taxable event when you sell it for right. US dollars or crypto and then send that to a charity. So. You, Artists with a hyper appreciated NFT that they want to give to charity directly do need to transfer that. But to give that to a nonprofit is, you know, you take away a quarter of work from them because the, uh, how in the hell is like everyone supposed to reconcile it? And the donor might not be able to um, recognize it as a gift because it's being used a certain way, it's transferred the wrong. So this is something Renaissance Charitable handles for us. So like they've got like different accounts, you know, like a MetaMask and everything out there they could accept it directly and then protocols in place to do that process to make it easy for the donor and the nonprofit when necessary. Um, but to answer your original question, if you send it through the widget, all that's happening is the 501c3, the nonprofits, you know, EIN, its entity, its tax status is assigned to an account that's connected to that widget. And as the donation comes through, it hits that account, so it's recognized. The donor gets a tax receipt that's automatically generated that says they've given it to a charity, which is documented and verifiable. And the nonprofit gets notified that the transfer has occurred. Once mm -hmm. it's hit that account, we have a program that automatically sells it for US dollars for the vast majority oh. of clients, unless they choose to hold their crypto, which mm -hmm. is very, very rare. Um, even for nonprofits who have crypto endowments, they tend to auto sell with the solution they accepted in and then make direct and... Uh, conscious purchase decisions in, you know, uh, accordance with their financial plan. So almost every time what will happen then is it just sells for US dollars and then that nonprofit gets uh, cash pushed to their bank account. Okay. Hey, in cooperation with the Coin Network, I am presenting Atomic Zombies by D. Klein. You can find these at atomiczombies.io. 
We've got 10,000 zombies that will eventually be available, each with their own set of random generative characteristics. You can watch your zombies' characteristics unlock, emergent, evolve as they receive more attention online powered by the Koi Network and proof of real traffic. Check it out at atomiczombies.io. Pretty wild. My most recent experience with uh, this whole the giving block uh, and charitable organizations was I was working with uh, this one fellow. You probably know him, Daniel Pan. Have you heard the name, Daniel Pan? Mm -mm. Maybe not. Maybe not. Okay. Uh, anyway, he's an artist, and he and a group of people organized some donations for Ukraine. Mm. And I'm seeing this is another big thing with the giving block that there's been facilitation of kind of Ukraine emergency response funds. There's uh, one here where it mentions that in 24 hours, you reached $1.4 million in donations uh, with this Caring with Crypto campaign. I don't think that was exclusively for Ukraine, but there was a $250,000 donation to the Ukraine Emergency Response Fund as a part of that, I believe. Is that yeah. a current campaign still, or is that a done deal now? I think that's going on right now, isn't it? Caring with Crypto? Yeah. Yeah, we're still raising money for Ukraine as a part of it. Like one of the impact funds that's right. being matched is uh, the Ukraine one. The Ukraine one, I, I'd have to look at what it is. It's like somewhere between one and 2 million, I think that's been raised for Ukraine over the last couple mm -hmm. of weeks. And then for the overall Karen with Crypto campaign, we have $10 in matching funds or $10, $10 million. $10. <laughs> We're matching $10. up to $10. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, could you imagine? It's like you, people running it be worth more desk. one day, just, just hard. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, Jared from ship for the CEO put up $10 million in uh, awesome. donations to match crypto donations across these funds and to individual charities, which is super fun and, and exciting. Um, yep. So yeah, we, we were already a little over $2 million uh, on that campaign and we launched it less than two days ago. That's amazing. Yeah. What's yeah. cool about that to me is like, when I look at say donating to Ukraine, like it's so hard to know, okay, where is a legitimate like organization to whom I can donate that I'm actually going to be able to trust that it's going to go to some kind of benefit. Right. So yeah, it's sneaky difficult. Yeah. For us too. Cause we have a lot of nonprofits who and like always pretty much always like their heart in the right place, but like they're doing with COVID or with uh, when we did the crypto for black lives campaign or this campaign, it's like they've some level of peripheral engagement with Ukraine, like let's say, but like then we as a platform to decide when we build one of these index funds, like who qualifies and who doesn't, which is always like really right. tough. Um, yep. Those conversations and like understanding where funds go. But we we take that pretty seriously and we're very careful and we construct it. Yeah, it's, uh, there must be, do you, you must have some folks that are just vetting stuff all the time, no? Like how does that get like verified that they're legitimate? Well, every, every time we run one of these campaigns, we don't take like rando nonprofits. The nonprofits who go into these funds are already verified clients of the given block. Mm -hmm. So they've gone through the full like KYC AML process of opening an exchange account with like, like to be in the background and plugged into our system to begin with. So like all they've been fully, um, they've gone through that process already. And then we take from our existing clients and build those pools and then we get interest of course from outside organizations but for them to get onto the platform in general and then additionally into one of these funds let's say they would of course have to go through that exact same compliance process like any institutional account that's vetted by the exchange right 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 that makes sense 
you know, it's funny because you mentioned, you know, starting off in 2017 during the boom and then seeing the crash and seeing ETH go down to $88 or whatever. Who would have thought yeah. here we are, it's 2022. And I mean, I'm reading some stats here. It says that the crypto community donated over $69 million in crypto to charities on the giving block last year. Like that's, that's amazing. Yeah, that's crowdfunding too. That's not even right. like in terms of donation volume in the world, like the biggest um, donor advice fund, that's now like a, a part of our network, like raised over 300 million last year, like wow. through these bigger institutional type gifts that then go through and those get distributed to charities. But like we, we carve that out intentionally because like when nonprofits join us and like build programs, like they're looking at the pie that they can, you know, get out on Twitter, join campaigns, like fundraise from folks, the grassroots stuff that we do, NF Tuesday, Crypto Giving Tuesday. Um, that's like that pool. That's that's 70 million from that. And the year before we did 4.2 on like the non-institutional Whoa, giving. So 20 yeah. times more almost. Yeah, this year, I mean, it'll be, unless we make a terrible mistake, it'll be hundreds of millions of dollars on, on the non-institutional. Right. So you kind of have a get a bit of a closer eye then in terms of the global trends of what's going on with crypto. What what have you kind of noticed? You know, everybody says it's a bear market right now. I don't know if that's really true. What do you think? Yeah, for us, it's yeah. I'm I'm definitely just as I say this, like I'm the last person you want financial advice from, which is probably <laughs> remember this is the person who bought <laughs> and lost ninety seven percent value on his investment. <laughs> I just average into like Bitcoin and ETH now. Like I just okay. take the money okay. that I get from a paycheck and just and just sit on it. Every time I've tried to make yep. a move, like open a leveraged position or whatever, like the market dumps like a hundred percent of the time. So just so, so just take this all when you do it, and then I'll you know I'll you know I'll, I'll counter trade you. Everyone at the company <laughs> says that. Like if you have like an eToro there where you could just track my trading activity, and everyone did the opposite. It would be like such a good account to have. Um, but in terms of like what's going on, like that's uh, like one really important variable is like how many users there are through every bear market. We've never seen like a bear market, bear market where the number of users like starts going down. It's like, so you always have more mm. people pouring into the ecosystem and then like their mm. level of interest in it is obviously different than in the early days where when people got into crypto, like they got into it, into it. Like we have more of these institutional traders who kind of like flee and run back. So the degree to which like, the market dumping, I feel like now is like correlated with, um, I, I guess what I'm saying is like, it's, it's more terrifying for the market to go down 20% whenever who's like into crypto is into it. Like they have mining rigs in their garage and like they're very invested, but they start exiting positions. That's scarier. I'm less worried about like these levels of correction. Like one, cause we've, we've all sat there like at least two probably of like 80% plus corrections. But I think there's been like five maybe in, in Bitcoin's history, something like that. Um, and then too, like there's so many retail investors that as long as like the number of users going up this dramatically as the price dips, like any sort of course, correct the upside for yeah. me, I'm not saying everyone should run out and buy it. Like, like any other asset class, sometimes, even though there's underlying value, it could be overvalued, undervalued, et cetera. Um, but yeah, I'm not concerned at all for the long-term viability of it. And then for us as a donation marketplace, like all that matters is it's up from where you bought it. So we always right. tell about profits. Like if we had a 90% correction from today and it just flatlined until like right before end of year and then returned back to its original position, like no appreciation at all. Like everyone who bought in that valley would have like an insanely appreciated asset to donate to charities. Even if the market just did that every year for forever, 
it would be the best and the most common donation tool among the people who are doing that because it's still the best way to give like any appreciation between you know like the yeah the the delta between wherever you buy it and wherever you're donating that's all that matters if it's more than if there's any appreciation at all versus a dollar then it's a better donation tool than anything right. else so volatility is less concerning for charities for individual traders obviously the size of the gift and how big that pie is depends on market performance but every year is a, a good year for you know crypto giving it just gets better when you know like last year you get a, a bull run yeah yeah for sure but i mean you must being that you are working in a space that has to really keep a close eye on you know regulatory stuff and whatnot that this must have been an interesting couple of weeks here where you had that eu vote the other day that they ended mm -hmm. up dropping where they were proposing banning proof of work mining uh bitcoin mm -hmm. or other proof of work mining crypto and there was the the biden bill just a week before that you know that kind of tended to look from most people's perspective in the space as relatively positive not mm -hmm. as like heavy head uh, excuse me heavy handed as it was feared that it would be you know what's your impression of some of those kind of regulatory um changes we've seen recently yeah, for the environmental concerns, I think it's very similar to like the the safety concerns around like electric, not electric cars, but self-driving cars or like mm. environmental concerns about like early days of the internet when the house, you know, or your computer took up half your house. You know what I mean? It's just like it, you've used a lot more energy yeah, to send an email than to send a letter for like a, a chunk of time as technology becomes more efficient. I feel like that's a very silly argument to make because it's like what are you going to bet on you're going to bet on like code becoming more efficient than like an infinite series of skyscrapers with millions of commuters driving back and forth and reconciling transactions plus all the immutability benefits you get it's just like if you really calculate how much energy gets used to like reconcile transactions not just like the juice that it takes to swipe a credit card which is like what all the reports do it's like one sure. i'm not convinced that it's worse now but let's say it is, because it very well could be. Like Bitcoin and proof of work systems are like super energy inefficient compared to what they could be. I'm still betting right, on that. Sure. I'm not gonna like yeah. yeah, run away from the version of money that can clearly become the most scalable. Like if you're an environmentalist, I feel like you should be betting on code that completely disintermediates a financial system. Like that's clearly in the short term, like going to become the more scalable and more energy efficient solution. But I definitely think it needs time to mature. Yeah, I mean, never mind the environmental destruction caused by, I don't know, mining gold, silver, you know, yeah. uh, printing currency. You know how much waste Credit is cards. created in the process of yeah. printing currency? It's insane. Like the amount of water that's wasted and destroyed or polluted via that process yeah. is, it's enormous. Yeah, and it goes on for forever, right? Because you're always yeah. going to have, if you look at the banks, just like hundreds of billions of dollars in like fines for just saying money exists when it doesn't, or like pretending it's going somewhere. It's just like shit that just can't happen with crypto. It's just like, there's so much work and energy and like cars that need to go somewhere and like buildings that need to exist full of people at desks, sipping mm -hmm. coffee. It's just like, you can completely disintermediate so much of that. It just seems like such a silly bet where they're like, no, mm -hmm. we think this over the next X number of years is actually gonna use more energy. It's like, I, that seems so unreasonable to me to think in the short very similar to like when uh you know when tesla's the early days would like hit a woman on a bicycle and people were like we gotta mm. shut this down and it's like right is anyone gonna yeah, ask yeah. like ten thousand driving hours of a human versus a tesla because like that's all that matters because people are always gonna be 
hitting people on bicycles. You know what I mean? Like there's no getting out of that. It's like, this seems like a road out of that. I'd imagine we should keep working on it. Just make it better. Yeah. Well, it's, yeah, it's a puzzling problem. Like, you know, I saw an example today even where someone mentioned, I forget who it was, but they were saying the amount of energy used to put up Christmas lights in the United States is Is more than electricity that some countries consume in Mm -hmm. a month. Right. And so it's like, so should we ban Christmas lights? You know, like, yeah, some people maybe would say yes to that. I don't know. I'm just saying you can make it sound really dramatic by comparing it to something like that. A hundred percent. And like, I don't show me the person who could accurately drop like an ethical line between traditional financial system, like how much energy gets used and then, but below something like a Bitcoin, it's like, show me how you get to that reasonably where it's just like, but it's fine to use money the way we're using it currently. It's like, right. Even if Bitcoin does use more, it's like, you have a line between those two things that you've rationalized the fact that it's like, I don't think that's true. I think you saw that something uses energy and you were like, I don't like things that use energy. And we're like, your thing uses energy. And they're like, no, nah. <laughs> you know, like, I just feel like- Not as much. <laughs> maybe, you know, like it just seems, yeah. Maybe. It's very yeah, So would you, do you see yourself as like envisioning a future where we're just using crypto period or not, you know, using- uh, federally enforced currency that's a weird thing i'm i'm not the guy i'm not nearly smart enough to figure out like if it's going to be you know like a, a central reserve cryptocurrency which like people are terrified of like i think yeah the human rights implications of being able to perfectly track every transaction from a central point of authority is pretty terrifying versus like cryptocurrencies that are not centrally created and controlled where you can have all of the benefits of traceability for the government, you know, a fully audible government where if they just took it in and they coin you have a, an immutable ledger of like everywhere the money is going, probably a stable coin. So it's pegged to something obviously, or else it would be right. a lot of volatility and hard to, <laughs> to do financial planning. Um, but something that's amazing while giving human beings on an individual level, the ability to pop open a wallet and conduct a transaction without telling anybody who they are. That balance is very interesting. So like, I'd prefer it, of course. I'm confused about like the bridge between if stable coins are pegged to a fiat currency and that evaporates. Like there are a lot, there are people a lot smarter than me who I'm sure reconciled that thought and come up with concepts. Um, but yeah, I think it's going to keep going. Uh, a lot of it has to do right with stable coins and the degree to which yeah. people can like invoice out of these accounts and spend money from them effectively. If there's any account you can earn more interest than in a bank account, that's where you're gonna sit your money so long as it's safe. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like stablecoin adoption and, and yield, you know, slash interest earning, like the, the widespread adoption of that, the ability to like pay for Netflix out of an account that's connected to that, like the minute that's widespread and adoptable, like I, I can't imagine the war doesn't happen very quickly, right? Yeah, no, it's it's an interesting situation because, again, like you mentioned, there's a lot of implications there that are kind of beyond the scope of this show. But, you know, in terms of like the macro kind of economic possibilities, I think it's there's a lot of interesting potential there. Yeah, um, cool. yeah absolutely. I'm curious, you know, you have any uh, interesting little tidbits or stats about the giving block that have come up over the past year in terms of kind of cool accomplishments, uh, you know, neat things that you've been like, whoa, I can't believe this or things like that at all that strike you beyond 12 days of zombie Christmas <laughs> beyond that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that, by the way. Oh yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, something, I mean, for your audience in particular, like 
NFT donation volume nonprofits and NFT folks are confused about this. Like even to your point where you're like, you can send an NFT directly to charity. Most people think that's what like NFT donors and NFT fundraising is. It's like 95% crypto or so, probably yeah. maybe even more than that. Um, because it's the proceeds from an NFT auction. You're running right. an auction maybe for charity or like you work with a platform directly and they build into the code where like creators can assign a percentage of downstream creating fees to not just go to them, but to the charities of their choice, whatever it might be, all the way down to like having that formally built into smart contracts. Or just people made a lot of money in NFTs. They're flipping them or creating them, sending money to nonprofit. Like that's where most of it comes from. But we're we're seeing millions of dollars in like monthly donations volume that's coming from that community specifically. That was one of our big trends from the annual uh, report that we put out. And then stable coins becoming more of a thing because people are parking money in them. What's funny about that is it's because of tax illiteracy because um, you shouldn't be donating to stable coins. People want to donate stable coins so they don't lose crypto. Yeah, I hear so you. Then, yeah. So then you got to be like, no, 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 like send the crypto, use your stable coins to buy crypto, right? You know what I'm saying? And taxes. then you have the, yeah, the new position is at today's cost base. And you just like, I wish I could find a better way to put it because I'm prior to this, I completely tax illiterate. I had a poli sci degree. So it was like, Alex sat me down for like days. And I was like, I don't, <laughs> I'm trying to get it to What's stick. What's an NFT? <laughs> yeah. So we've like whiteboarded it a lot. And I'm still like, it's tough to explain. But in short, yeah, I know for sure. It's we, confusing. Yeah. We love that stable coins are getting donated. But also every time I see it, I'm like, what are you doing? Like, you don't have any crypto? And look, we do, but why would you want to give up crypto? That would be stupid. You it's know, so ingrained wise. though, right? It's so ingrained it's so in the ingrained. mentality, right? You know, yeah, it's, it's interesting to me because it ties, yeah. yeah, it ties into me how my mentality with crypto, you think, you know, if more people had this attitude about money in general, we wouldn't have so many problems with debt that we do in society, right? Because I agree. you would be much less you know, eager to just throw your money away at things. But because of the inflationary condition of our currency, we're like, yeah, just, you know, spend that money away, you know? That's such a good point. I've, I haven't heard someone like put it that way, but that's 100% right. That's a great way of looking at it, which is true. People are like afraid of people starting to throw their money away on crypto, which you definitely can. You can try to do it all at once or time the market or get into cutting edge type shit where it's very low, low odds, high risk. But generally speaking, I feel the same way. Like, I, again, I haven't heard someone put it that way. So that's that's super smart. But it is, it's creating a savings culture like nothing we've seen in modern history, probably, right? Like the degree to which people will take all the money, then stop going on vacation, stop going out for meal, and just start putting money away into crypto for the long-term upside and like really lock that in. It's good behavior. Do you know what I mean? Like it's it's a nice thing to be incentivizing in your own head and in your household and it comes out of crypto that would be an interesting op-ed you might want to look into putting something like that yeah, together be interesting. Like savings yeah. culture is incentivized yeah. by it it's creating it's it's pegged as financial irresponsibility but you could be like crypto is maybe one of the greatest forces for it financial your spending behavior. it does alter yeah. your spending behavior i feel in my experience, anyway, you got to write. You know, about I that. think it's a, there's an interesting correlation too. If you think generation generationally, I grew up, you grew up. I'm a little older than you, but we grew up in kind of a spend, spend, spend mentality. And uh, I want to have this. I want to have this. Ooh, my TV is mm -hmm. only 70 inches. I want an 80 inch TV. Oh, my 80 inch TV is two years old. I want a 90 inch TV. You know. Mm -hmm. um, oh, my car. You know, there's a newer version of my car. I want a new one. Go on. You know what I mean? Like that's how I grew up. 
right? But if I look at like, say my kids who are now adults themselves, they do not have that same attitude about money. They're like, no, I just need to make enough to be comfortable with these and these things. I don't really need a car. I can just take an Uber. You know, like it's a very Mm -hmm. different way of thinking about money. To the point that I'm like, come on, have some fun with your money, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. You think I'd be like, what a good saver. But instead, I'm like, aren't you gonna buy anything? You know, like, aren't you gonna buy a car? And they're like, why would I want to buy a car with gas the way it is, insurance the way it is, right? And it's like they're right. Yeah, they're they're right. So long, it's that can yeah. Sometimes that's dangerous, right? Because it's like it can be a lack of ambition sometimes, which well, you definitely do see out of younger generations, where it's yes. like they're not interested in buying things, but they're also not interested in like putting away money. It's more that they're just like living at the edge with subscriptions and other, and they're not investing in things, but they are spending the money. Like sometimes that's that can be point. an issue, but yep. if you combine those two, where it's like, you don't have any big upfront expenses, you're not buying the house, you're not buying the car, whatever else, but you compound that with, you are trying to plug your money into assets and plan for the future, things like crypto incentivizing that. If you couple those two behaviors, then you have a lot more money to throw into assets that are like highly liquid with high upside instead of trying to throw all your money into a house and have it be completely liquid and you don't control your financial destiny more or less because everything's plugged into the place where you live. Those two things could be really interesting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Write the op-ed. You got to write it. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I'm mentally prepared for that. It seems like a pretty major, <laughs> like that's a huge topic. I don't know, man. This is financial <laughs> advice could be the title of it. Yeah, <laughs> that's good. I like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's good. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I, I, the other kind of phenomenon I'm seeing with that that's kind of interesting is all this talk about interest rates going back up, you know, and I don't know if they can actually do it. Like they're talking like they're going to raise them. They have in Canada, they raised them 0.25. It was 0.25. Okay. And they bumped it up to 0.5. And in the news, it's like, uh, Central Bank of Canada raises doubles the interest rate. <laughs> it's like yeah. well, it went from 0.25 to 0.5. Get real, right? Yeah. But what caught what happened was currently in Canada right now, there's this huge real estate boom because everybody's freaking out and going, I gotta get this house, I gotta get this mortgage before rates go up. And mm-hmm. again, it's that spend mentality where it's like, okay, but I can borrow more if I do it now. Like, never mind five years from now. I'm not thinking about five years from now when I got to renew this mortgage and who knows what rates are, right? You know, yeah. um, I don't know. Do you think they, they can really pull it off? Do you think they can just keep hiking them up? Because they're talking now, oh, they're going to be like 3.5 or something like that. It's like, that's an enormous increase from where it is now. My team is going to die laughing when they listen to this podcast because I am like the least qualified <laughs> to talk about questions. <laughs> Alex, my co-founder is like much more, much yeah much more literate on like all of this stuff like he's who i go to for all of my financial advice he like thinks compliance and accounting and like interest like all that stuff is this is his forte and then me in terms of like campaign strategies and like the the universe of products design like that's much more my side i'm just trying to pick your brain i can't answer i can't answer your question but like i like i just think it's an interesting conundrum in there and because i know they want to raise rates in order to you know slow down inflation right? Of course. Because uh, mm-hmm. inflation is like a runaway train right now uh, in Canada, oh even more so in the United States. Um, but I don't think they can do it. I don't think they can, like they're going to, what's going to happen. I feel like they're going to raise the rates maybe two, three times and the economy is going to respond badly. I feel. Yeah. Like. It's a huge issue with democracy in general, where you're incentivized to make like populist decisions. 
right? Like when it comes to managing an economy, that's so unhealthy. Everyone's playing the game of hot potato with the economy, right? You just like, <laughs> yep. you just, you just release it. Let as long as I go, make happy people pumped. happy during my term, it's all good. Yeah. And then they just hot potato it <laughs> to the next person. It's like, that's also just like when you talk term limits or the length of a presidential term, if you extended it, how much better would decision-making be if 50% of the time you weren't campaigning, which is how it works with a, with a two-year cycle. It's more than half with a four-year cycle. Like in the, totally. the U.S., it's probably still close to half is like campaigning, yeah. right? And then that's true. heavily informs decision-making. But you also don't want 10 years of someone who stinks. So not an easy, <laughs> that's not, not an easy call to make. Um, <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. I mean, eventually, yeah, like you'll, you'll get corrections, but as long as you just keep averaging in, like not necessarily timing the market, I'm not saying in any particular crypto or anything, but as long as people keep plugging their money into assets and not just like parking money in the bank that isn't working for them or throwing it all into one super liquid asset, like over time that works. It depends on how much time you've left to live, right? And like yeah, what yeah. you're hitting peak earning years, retirement accounts, et cetera. But I'm not necessarily as concerned about it because I, I mean, I don't know. I live well, well within my means, just throw it all down. One thing I know for I sure is the dollar is going to gradually keep going down in value. That's guaranteed, right? For sure. So you don't want to leave your money there. That's the main thing, right? You're just, yeah, you're just losing a little bit of it every day, which I don't like just to slowly, slow bleed. Not really that noticeably. Although it is kind of noticeable now when you look at gas prices and groceries and everything, right? Oh my God. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, older right. people in particular get really rocked mm. by it because they just yeah. sit their money in a bank account. Every time I talk to like my parents or whoever else, I'm just like, I'm like, when you get money, you don't just leave it in the bank. They're like, we absolutely leave it in the bank. I'm like, are you out of your mind? Like you just, <laughs> this whole time? And they're like, yeah. They just let the person power it out over time. It's like, is anyone talking to you? They're like, nope, <laughs> not at all. Sorry, I should like, be laughing at your parents' plight, but the way you're delivering it is humorous. Yeah, it's like, it's pretty much, yeah. Rich people, like all of their money is in assets, but everyone else, they're just like sitting in the bank and just like waiting it out. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, yeah, not yeah, financial. Yeah. But let's talk, also. yeah, no, let's talk. You were talking about, you know, being, you know, the expert in the campaigns. Let's talk campaigns. Maybe we can wrap up with, you know, what do you see here in 2022 for the giving block? What are, you, what are your main, what do you envision? Yeah, the, uh, the Caring with Crypto campaign. Again, right. Jared, founder of uh, Shift4, 16 years old when he founded the company, wow. led the first all-civilian space mission last year, raised $243 million for St. Jude in doing so, threw $100 million at St. Jude from his own pocket. Amazing. Guy's out of his mind in the best way possible, just like a, an uber genius guy. Um, he put $10 million into this first campaign. We're doing this long, drawn-out series of crypto philanthropy campaigns. It just keeps stacking companies in, building match pools, fundraising for different charities, trying to get to 10,000 charities on the platform and over 100 million raised just out of this one campaign in addition to like all the stuff wow. we do normally. Um, that campaign is off to like a rip of a start. If people have nonprofits, they want to join the platform, like send them our way, of course. Um, and then for donors, like your, your donations are matched 2X right now. We had a, I'm trying to think what was a big one today. We had a five Bitcoin donation to the water project, oh, nice. which is matched. So that's like, you know, 400 and something thousand dollars to that charity, just like that, you know, just doubling wow. that type of donation. So people are trying to send crypto to charities, like go check out the widget. If you don't see what you, what you're trying to send in the widget, then paying us on private client services. You'll see it in the menu drop down. Um, mm -hmm. 
That's it. I mean, it's a crypto fundraising campaign. We build match pools, we fundraise for the charities, we double it all up, get the money out to the nonprofits, we set them up with marketing kits, we gear up, we do it again. And we just help them kind of turn um, these campaigns into sustainable donor pools that they manage the relationships with personally and they kind of control their own destiny instead of mm -hmm. letting them, you know, sit and hope that somebody picks them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, hey, congratulations on your success. And thank you again for sponsoring NFP. I really appreciate that. 100%. Don't tell anyone that. Now people are going to think you don't actually like me. <laughs> Sorry, I missed that. Don't tell anyone what? <laughs> that, we, that we sponsored it. Now it looks like we paid you to say nice things. <laughs> you've, been a, you've been a sponsor for multiple episodes. Everybody knows you're a sponsor. No, don't tell them, though. <laughs> Okay, I'll keep it a secret. I won't do any publicity for the Giving Block because that would give it away that you sponsor the show. That's great. <laughs> call us, yeah. Call us the wrong thing. Get confused when you see us. Yeah, be like, who are you again? Oh, oh nice. It's just this thing I do on my show. Yeah. No, but this is, yeah, this is sweet. The podcast is awesome. Like, we really appreciate the NFT product that you did. I'm sure we'll be doing bigger ones together this year. For sure. Just keep stacking yeah, them up. Absolutely. But yeah, and the nonprofits love NFT stuff. Like one, because donation volume, of course, but two, because of the attention. Like it's exciting. Yeah. Donors don't get that part, but that's good for nonprofits. Some donors like try to be selfless and like not talk about it. Same thing with companies. They'll try to like send a nonprofit money. It's like, please tell people, like you've got 130,000 followers on Twitter that are just crypto users. Like, please tell them that you're giving crypto and supporting them and encourage others. So the NFT stuff. I don't know. Like, I'm kind of torn about that myself. I like there are some where I don't really say anything about it because it feels like, look at me, look at how much I'm, I don't know. Do you know, know what I mean? It's, but it's, it's good in crypto. It's a little different because like if you're sending money with a credit card, there's not like credit card donors waiting in the wings who like need to be inspired for the first <laughs> ooh, ooh, time. I want to use know? my visa too. Yeah. They're like yeah. waving them in the back of like a gala. <laughs> Which happens at nonprofit galas. People like wave hardware wallets and like get pumped when you announce you're taking crypto because it's still like cutting edge enough. So if you if you want to be private and not say look at me, of course, like we that's why we have the anonymous option. The we people send millions of dollars and they do that because they can do it anonymously. We had a a, a closeted guy from the south send a couple million to a LGBTQ org mm -hmm. and set like the most beautiful note we've ever seen where they were just like i've wanted to do this my whole life but would never connect like a financial account to it because you just have to trust someone's like they're going to protect that data if that got out and they're they're apparently influential from the way they described it but it was this beautiful thing where they're like i've never been able to do something like this because i'm so afraid right. of that information getting out so anyway if you want to be private you of course can but when you do announce that you're giving donations or you do like a public NFT drop, that gets crypto people in front of a charity. They learn about the tax incentive. They give for the first time. They meet the nonprofits. They tell their friends. Like all of that is helpful in an industry yeah. where like the vast majority of people don't even know that this is like a smart option financially yet. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. I just yeah. encourage people to talk about it. But you absolutely, to your point, you don't have to be like, look at me, I'm the shit. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. There, it's a balance, you know, it's, it's, it's a delicate thing, you know, where, and this is true in terms of being an artist in general is how much do you spend time going, look at my work, look at me, look at what I'm doing. Right. Cause you do have to promote yourself, of course. Yeah. Right. So there's always kind of that fine line there, I feel. So, yeah, we can promote you if you don't want to, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can have the charities do it and you can just retweet it. <laughs> there we go. 
anyway, I really appreciate you uh, taking the time to talk with me. And yeah, again, congratulations on the success of the giving block. And I wish you even more success in uh, 2022. Congrats on your success too, Matt. Hope you're taking even more days off uh, by the end I, of this year. To keep the NFTs coming. So. Yeah, that's right. That's the plan. Right on. Thanks a lot. Yeah. Thanks so much. Okay. Take care. Thanks again for listening to the Non-Fungible Podcast. See you again soon.